Yesterday morning, uh, you know every morning, if you're on Facebook, it'll say, hey, you have a memory? And it might be like you saying happy birthday to somebody 10 years ago, or it might be your favorite poutine from eight years ago that you posted, whatever. It could be anything, right? Well, mine yesterday morning when I was still, I had, the sermon was picked. I'd already done the thing. I knew what I was talking about. I picked it. Um, one of my memories last uh, yesterday morning, when I pulled up my phone, I sat down on the couch. I was just going to do my daily devotional. And then um, I pulled up a thing, and from October 3rd, 2012, so yesterday was October 3rd, so 2012, eight years ago, I, for whatever reason, I cannot remember, posted these words, there is a rock. Now, I know what I mean spiritually about it, but I will, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm on the right, eight years ago, I was being prepared for this sermon, but isn't that awesome when God does something like that? Those of you who are here can see it. I wish you could zoom in, but there it is. There is a rock. October 3rd, 2012, can't remember why or what. Maybe I spoke on the same thing then, I don't know. But I just, I, I love uh, that idea that there's a rock. And so while we're in this season, I think it's very important. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go to the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. And Jesus um, said a lot of things, preached a lot of things. But the Sermon on the Mount is probably the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. And in the sense that, it's seeped into popular culture, everything uh, that he said. Uh, even people who don't know anything about God or Jesus or whatever know something of the Sermon on the Mount. For example, they know, uh, judge not lest ye be judged. That's the favorite of a lot of people. People know a lot of the Beatitudes. If you're not sure what that is, Beatitudes is, you know, blessed are the poor and blessed are the meek and blessed are, and so on and so forth. Um, we, people know that. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's fantastic, Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter 7, I encourage you to read it. But essentially, uh, if someone was to say, um, how should a Christian live, you could possibly just take Matthew 5 to 7 and say, that's it, that's a summary of someone who says they follow Jesus, that's the way they should live, that's the way they should act, so on and so forth, that's a real good summary of those things. Of course, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. If you've already read it, I encourage you to read it again. Um, now we come to the end. We come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. You can put that up now. Matthew 7. These three verses, sorry for the lot of words, but it summarizes. And I actually want to go back to a childhood memory. Um, so when I was little, uh, there was no internet, guys. I know for you younger folks, there was no internet. Never was there no internet. There was, uh, actually, we didn't get our first real computer in the house until I was eight. Eight. So before that, uh, we had books, and uh, lots of books, and I remember that whether it was my parents or siblings or whoever, I would get these little books of Bible stories, okay, sort of Sunday school level stuff, and uh, one of the ones I'll never forget is the one about the man who built his house on the stone foundation versus the guy who built his hand house on the sound foundation. It's a very good, it was animated, so it's a cartoon version, and it stuck with me, still stuck with me, sticks with me today. Why? Because it's the foundation on which I built my life and my faith. Okay, so it's important now as I talk about this. So let's read. Now remember, Jesus has just preached the whole Sermon on the Mount. He has just said, this is how you live. This is how you should be. This is how people who follow me should be. This is what it means to be a believer. And then he finishes with this statement. Okay, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, so anybody who hears what I just preached, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it has foundation on the 
rock. But anyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house and fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. That's how it ends. So he preaches this brilliant sermon, this brilliant life lesson, and then he says, if you hear what I'm saying and you do what it says, then you're going to be like somebody who builds their house on a rock. Now you might hear that and go, well, of course. Uh, those of you locally know, uh, we say this so much, it works so well. Thank God we live in Pierrefonds. The church is in Pierrefonds, right? means rock foundation. So it's easy for us to understand. As we've told you many, many times, when you have to do construction here, it's very costly because you have to break up all the bedrock. It's very hard. The good news is this church, both spiritually and naturally, is very much built on a rock foundation. So much so that you could go outside and with your heel, just dig the ground like that and you will in a couple of minutes, hit flat bedrock. And that's just the way it is around here, but it's a good lesson. And you might say, well, that makes sense. Of course you should build your life on a similar type of foundation. Well, if only that were true. Even in the natural, humans are still building houses in places that hurricanes keep on telling us is not a good idea. And no, no matter how many times places get destroyed by weather, we think, no, no, this time we're going to get it right. This time we're going to build something that will stop the hurricane. This time we're going to build something that will stop the ocean. And every time the ocean claims its territory, we try to build it on stilts. We try to build it with it. We try to do this. But sooner or later, nature has its way. Because humans, we have this thing. We're insistent on trying to do things our own way. In the same way that Jesus says, if you live like this, you're going to live your life like a rock foundation. It's like a house on a rock foundation. If you live differently, it's going to be like planting, living on sand. Basically, shifting with no mooring. The rain and wind will come. Right? Whether that's in the natural or in our lives. We might be feeling like, now again, we're in another windy and rainy situation. And remember, it's careful, again, to not, to not localize it too much. Yes, Quebec and Ontario and much of Canada are in certain lockdowns, but I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who lives in Florida, and they're doing nothing. They have zero lockdown, zero anything. So be careful not to make your situation like what's going on in the whole world, but the truth is, that's what you're, maybe you're dealing with that today, but down there they've got their own problems, right? God bless them. And so the random rains will come and it might look different for you than it does for somebody else. And although we're all dealing with this pandemic situation, we have other things going on in our lives and it can be just about anything. The point is, what foundation do you have? There's something really important that I want to uh, talk about too. When Jesus had finished saying these things, it says the crowds were amazed because he, didn't, he taught like somebody who had authority, not as one of their teachers of the law. And you might think, oh yeah, those Pharisees and those Sadducees, what do they know? They were so silly. Jesus was so much better with them. Careful. Careful, careful, careful. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees that exist today are found inside the church, not outside the church. Okay? And the, the, the bottom line is, I believe really that the reason the crowds reacted to Jesus so much is that he was simple. He wasn't complicated. He wasn't speaking in language that was hard to decipher. He didn't make things super hard for them, right? It was something they could understand. And if you want to build your house on a rock foundation, listen, I don't know if you've ever laid a foundation. We actually literally laid the, that wall and that wall 
We were here building the foundation. And listen, when you're putting a foundation inside rock, you're looking at it going, I'm pretty confident about this. And it's not too hard. Put it in there, build it properly, and it'll, build out, and it'll be built up well in the natural. Same thing in the spiritual. I think Jesus' simplicity is what we need today. Being simple. <laughs> I was telling the guys this morning, we came early to fix some things, and I was... On the way in, I thought, I'll listen to some Christian radio to get my heart and mind right. And I put it on, and there's a preacher <laughs> preaching about the book of Revelation, which is usually not a good idea anyway. Then, I swear, this is what he was preaching. I, God, I don't even know who he was. God bless him. Said he was preaching that the followers of Jesus that come back with Jesus, you know, at, at the Battle of Armageddon, the linen, do you know what it says that we dressed in linen? That the, I swear this is true, he said this that the thickness, the quality, and the whiteness of the robes will be dependent on the righteousness we lived with while on earth. And I'm like, who needs to hear that? Who, during a global pandemic, needs to hear that? First of all, that's not true. I don't know where the guy got that from. Uh, but it doesn't matter that it's not true. What matters is, like, what are you talking? Don't get all, like, now we're all like, oh, am I deciphering the times? We're going to talk about end times in a second. But, you know, oh, and the whiteness of the robes and the linen and whatever. People need to hear that God loves them, that there's a way out of this mess, and that if their house is built on sand, there's a rock they can go to and cling to, and it's Jesus Christ, and he will, they will not waver. And you need to hear that this morning, too, wherever you are, okay? No, don't worry about your linen cloth. It's going to be nice. Okay, guarantee you, God made it. It's going to be great. But build your life on the rock, right? Remember, those of you who have been in church a long time, remember the declaration of Peter, okay? I only have one verse up there. Actually, no, I don't have any verses up there. Sorry, Catherine. But this is, remember this. Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, and he said to the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? That's another way of him saying, who do people say I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, some say one of the prophets. The truth is they're saying nobody really knows who you are. <laughs> you know, like, and then he goes, well, what about you? Who do you think I am? And then Simon Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. He's got this revelation, and then Jesus turns to him and says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was revealed to you by, not by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of Hades will not overcome it, so on and so forth. Okay, now uh, we have to clarify one little thing, right? We've been doing this a little bit lately. When Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, he's not referring to Peter, even though Peter's name means rock, okay? He's not saying, oh, Peter, and now that's why, we have a, that's why the church, Catholic Church has a pope. That is not what Jesus is saying. There's such a thing in language called commas and, and, you know, and changing subjects. Jesus is saying, and I'm going to call you Peter now because the revelation you just made is the rock. The revelation that Jesus got is the rock. So Jesus is saying, because you have that revelation, your name is now rock. And on the revelation that I am the son of God, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. So he's saying the rock foundation is the revelation that I am the Son of God. So when you've got the revelation that Jesus is indeed the Son of God and he is the Messiah, that's your rock foundation. And only God can reveal that to you. Okay? And so that's what you're building your life on. Now, when you start building your house on rock, it might start off only as a shack or a one-bedroom semi-detached. It doesn't matter. You've got the right foundation, okay? So 
we know that it's important to understand that one, or the first most important thing to understand is the rock is Jesus. Jesus is the rock on which we build our lives. And his teachings, like the Sermon on the Mount, are the rock. If we listen to his teachings, then our lives will be like a house that's built on rock. And when the wind and waves come of life, when the waves of life come, which they will, we will not be shaken. Our house will not be destroyed. Does that mean there is no wind? Does that mean there is no rain? Does that, of course, it doesn't mean it goes away. It means we're able to withstand and go through it and live. Amen? Amen. Listen, Jesus said this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never... You have that one? Yes, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So you think the things that I say, the things that I did, will never pass away. Now listen, again... Guys here, everybody watching, when you read something in the Bible and you love a verse like this, make sure you're reading around it. Listen to what it says. I feel like God is speaking to us 2020, right here. Heaven and earth will pass away. He's, all this is going away, but his words never will. Listen, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape what's about to happen so you'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. Okay? And some people are saying, well, today, these are the last days. Well, that's, so maybe we are. I'll be honest. Personally, I don't think we are. Okay? But maybe even if we are. It says, be careful not to get... Maybe it's... I hope so. As Christians, we can not be concerned with carousing and drunkenness, but maybe some people are. But I'll tell you this one. The anxieties of life can weigh you down. Val sent me a picture from Walmart the other day. Again, all the toilet paper is gone. What are we doing? I've never, there must be, I would love to read a paper. Somebody must have done a research paper on why, what causes humans to freak out and buy toilet paper. I, I, I don't know. But you see, people are anxious they're worried about scarcity. They're worried about not having something. So they take, and they'll take even if it hurts other people. So much so that stores have to say, okay, you're only allowed to buy one Lysol thing. Because it's not fair that nobody else gets to have Lysol things. Like the, like the, the government has to step in and say, okay, you can't. Because in our hearts, we're anxious, we're worried, because maybe our lives are built on sand. And we know if the wind and rain come, it might fall apart, but at least I'll have lots of toilet paper. I don't, I don't know. But even if this is the last days, let's read about the last days. This is the book of Acts, quoting the book of Joel. It says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams, etc., etc. The, 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 the prophecy of the end times is not a church that's cowering at home, worried about what's happening and fighting the world system. The prophecy of the end time is a church that's on fire for God, knowing that it's a, on a rock foundation, and God's Spirit will be poured out everywhere, and we'll be prophesying, seeing visions, and dreaming dreams, and, and, and bringing people, to many sons to glory, and daughters to glory. So I don't know what's going on, but there's so much vision of the church being, oh, well, we're being hard done by, we're being persecuted. Good! Isn't that what we're here for? Do you think... Listen, we literally built this church with our hands. Literally, when I say that, I'm not exaggerating. My father more than anybody. 
but I can speak for him, I'll speak for myself, if it meant that one person would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ and never see the gates of hell, and we had to give this place up, I'd make that trade. Every day. I'd make that trade every day. Because this is bricks and mortar. It's all going away. Heaven and earth will all pass away. But Jesus' words never will. Never will. We're having a conversation with somebody via email this week, my father and I, of how hard it is for pastors and how difficult it is for pastors right now. What were we born for? We're made for a time like this, Christians. This is why we're here. If this is too hard for you as a pastor, maybe you have the wrong job. You know? Look at the government. They have no choice. Whether they like it or not, we voted them in, and every day they've got to face the music. They've got to come talk to us. They're making bad decisions. They're making good decisions. They're making confusing decisions. God bless them. All I'm here to do is to pray for them. I don't have to agree with everything they're doing to pray for them. But in the same way, Christians, what are we here for? We have a rock foundation. Many of our politicians, their own, think about this for a second. Their own personal lives are built on sand. And then we get confused when they can't make solid decisions. Don't get mad at them. Pray for them. They need godly wisdom. And the only people that can pray for them are the people that are supposedly living on the rock. So pray for them so that they make good. The Bible just says it. Pray for them that you might live in peace. Because we're on the rock. And we don't go, oh, look at those idiots on the sand. If only they'd listen like I do. <laughs> Invite them into your house. Not literally, of course, we're not allowed that right now. <laughs> but spend time with them. Because if it is the last days, then let's go out in a blaze of spirit, prophecy, and tongues, and visions, and dreams. Let's do that. Let that be what we do today. So we're living on the rock, the foundation, and we're going to invite people to come live on the rock with us. Amen? Amen. We'll go to the next one, please. Ephesians 1, we've said this many times, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. That's our prayer today, that your eyes, my eyes, would be enlightened so that we know the hope which he's called us to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. This is the inheritance of living a life on the rock. Amen? People that know they are firmly planted on the word of God, the promise of Jesus Christ, the seal of the Holy Spirit on your life, that's your inheritance. And so when we enlighten people, we enlighten them with hope. Not with prophecies about dire consequences. Not with warnings of, uh, of calamity and distress. Those can be, Right? That can happen. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But that's not our calling. You know? Uh, did I say this last time? So forgive me if I did, but it's coming back to me now. Everybody wants to be a prophet and nobody wants to be a priest. I said that last time, right? Can we, can we get away from that? Everybody wants to prophesy the end times. Nobody wants to do the hard work of saving somebody today. Okay? God's heart aches for those who are lost. He does not rejoice that one should be lost. The Bible says that. 
So we should not gloat when we see people going both way, one way or the other. We should not gloat when we see people coming to their own destruction. We shouldn't gloat about it. We shouldn't be like, well, I told you so. Look at me, I'm on the rock and you're on shifting sand. We should be going and reaching for them and saying, listen, listen to what Jesus said. If you live the way he did, he says you'll be like people who lived on the rock. People who built their house on the rock. Do what he said. Come share in my inheritance. Excuse me a second. I have to pull something up because I realized. I told you. Now, talking about inheritance. When I was a young boy, my parents or whoever would buy me these books and I would read them. Maybe I didn't understand everything. I was younger. But it built something in me, a foundation upon something, okay, that paid off in the future. Why? Because of the inheritance that was being built in me. In the same way that right now, young people, if you took $100 a month and opened an RRSP at the ages of 20, and just every month put that in there, and it hurt because you couldn't get that new pair of shoes or you couldn't get the latte you want or whatever. But when you're 65, all of a sudden you turn around and you have a whole bunch of money. You've built yourself your own inheritance in the natural. Well, in the spiritual, when you build like that, it pays off for every season. It pays off in so many amazing ways. Folks, build into your children now the foundation of the word and the life of God. So one, remember... Your, I was thinking about tracks. Do you remember those of you who are a little older? Younger people maybe don't know what tracks are. You know the papers that are like about God or about Jesus and people give them out? The best track you can ever have is your own life. Your best track for your kids and for your family is you. You can give them a thousand tracks full of absolute truth and if your life is built on sand, it won't matter because they're watching you much more than they're reading the tracks. But if you build that up in their lives... Oh my goodness, the inheritance is amazing. But you got to be careful, I'll tell you that, because you start building it to your kids, sooner or later they're going to come at you. I'll give a good story. Yesterday we were in the car, and we were driving, and Val said something, and Caleb corrected her from the Bible. Remember that? And we all, yeah, Caleb's like, no, I don't remember. And we all laughed. Doesn't matter, don't talk. We all laughed. Okay? But here's the thing. He was right. He was right. Right? Because we all, from time to time, make mistakes. Caleb does that to me all the time. Sometimes I make stuff up, like fake facts. And Caleb's like, Daddy, God doesn't like lying. Okay? All the time. Right? But amen. That means he gets it. Building folks, take the time to build the foundation in your children and your teenagers, and especially your own life. Watch what happens? Because when the wind and the waves come, you'll find that your house stands. So what is going on? God comes through always in the wind and the rain. And it comes through in so many ways. I was reminded of a story because I was talking to my brother some point this week, one of my brothers. And I was reminded of a time I was living in the UK. I was living at his house. And something terrible had happened. Uh, I was in a very bad place mentally and spiritually. Now, forgive the graphicness of the story, but it's funny. You'll get it. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't want anybody to help me. I didn't want, you know, you ever been in that place? 
don't talk to me, don't talk, whatever, don't look at me, whatever. There was people over. And so I went to go sit in the bathroom at my brother's house. Okay, one of the bathrooms. Yeah, yeah, two. Go sit in one of the bathrooms. Just not to go to the bathroom, just to be away from humans. Okay? Now, my brother is a voracious reader, reads a lot. And so around his house is all sorts of books, including in the bathroom, Christian books, because that's the foundation of his life. And so here I am, feeling bad for myself, feeling sorry for myself in the bathroom. Well, God is this, and blaming God for that, and my life's never going to work out, whatever. And there next to me is like a, a magazine thing, you know? And there's some probably house decor magazines or whatever, whatever he and his wife had. But in there, too, was a book called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. Okay? Great book. You should read it. And so I overcame my own little pity party to go, fine, and grabbed it. Right? And remember, I just went, God, where are you? My life's... And I open it up, and it says, sometimes, Tozer says, sometimes God hides just around the corner, and you have to go get him. Go look for him. And it hit me like a lightning bolt. It was stop feeling sorry for yourself, you little pity party. Get up off your butt. And go, God's there. You've, just, you've gone around. You've walked away. Whatever. And it just... Okay? Now, you may say, oh, silly. What does that have to do with a rock foundation? Listen, if your house is full of the things of God, if your house is full of the sounds of worship, if your house is full of books related to these things, if your life, if your words are full of these things, it pays off in ways you can't imagine. You think my brother knew by having a jillion books that one day, I don't even think he knows this story, that one day his brother would be in a bad spot and I would just reach down and pick up a book and open it? It just becomes part of who you are. It's all over your house because your house is built on rock. Your house being your life. Amen? Sometimes it means... A little bit of remodeling is needed, but that's okay. And it pays off in so many amazing ways. I can't even begin to tell you how important it is that in your home and in your personal life, you are looking at the Sermon on the Mount and being like the people Jesus said, if you hear what this is and put it into action. What does the Bible say about being hearers? And the book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word be doers also. Because if you don't do what you hear, you're like somebody who looks in a mirror and immediately forgets who they are. You ever had that? Come on. Who's ever done that? You want to check something? You look in the mirror, you walk away, you're like, wait a minute, what was that again? Everybody ever done that? Come on, we've all done that. But as he's saying, if you're like somebody who hears what Jesus says and then doesn't do it, you're like somebody who's forgot what they look like. Okay? So I'm encouraging you this morning. I'm not Again, this is not putting a burden on you. This is equipping you and edifying, encouraging you to live a life that's on the rock-solid foundation so that when the wind and waves come, or the one we're going through together as a society comes, we're going to soar. Amen? Our house can't be knocked down. Nothing can be knocked down. And if you're sitting there, whether it's virtual or here in person or wherever later, and you're thinking, oh, but what about this thing in my life? And what about that thing in my life? Put it away. If there's anything that is stopping you from doing that, put it away. I don't know how. Look for help. Find people you know who look like they're living on the rock foundation. Find people you know who aren't 
being tossed back and forth by different things, whose lives seem like they've got an order. And I say to them, excuse me, I've got this thing. How do I deal with this? Don't worry about being ashamed or embarrassed. We've all been through tough times. We've all been through sad times. We've all been through times of confusion. Reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are living on a rock-solid foundation who feel like they have faith for every season that they'll know and they can teach you what it is to live in that glorious inheritance we read about in Ephesians chapter 1. Amen? Because you see it in so many different ways. You see it in the quiet confidence of older believers. You know, when stuff happens and young people tend to freak out, and I still count myself with the young people sometimes, right? You see it in their confidence. They know who they know. They know who they believe, and they know who their inheritance is. You also see it in children who have that more simplistic understanding. Well, God said it, so it's true. And you see it. You see it coming through in so many different ways. And just go back to the awesome words of Jesus. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I encourage you, this morning. Be that person. Build your house on the rock of Jesus' teaching. You might think this morning, where do I start? Go to Matthew 5. Read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Read them all and say, okay, I want to go. Maybe you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. You've never really committed your life to Jesus. Do that now, this morning. Start by saying, God, I want to be somebody who builds our house on a rock. Maybe you are a Christian this morning, but you, maybe there's aspects of your life, there's ways in which you think your life may be a bit sandy. Maybe your, your house is built on a mixed foundation, and there's things you want to get right. I'm encouraging you, look for help, as I've said already, or just take, deal with those things yourself. And with God's help, of course, with the Holy Spirit's help, ask Him to show you in your life where maybe you've mixed things a little too much. And there's a little bit more, too much sand in the foundation of your life. And ask God to help you to stand on the, His Word and His teaching by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Give me a second. I want you this morning to be filled with hope. I'm going to put up the Ephesians again for me, Catherine. If, I want you to be filled with hope this morning that we could endlessly talk about this pandemic and endlessly talk about all of the negative things that are coming from it and all the, hurt, uh, and all the fact that we're separated and so on. Listen, we're all feeling the pain. And I, I cannot wait till this is no longer the case. But as long as we're living in it, let's be ones who show the world what it means to live on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Amen? I wonder if you folks who are here will just stand with me and we're going to pray with everybody online. Along with this word, we pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which he has called us and the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people who is us. So Lord, be with us this morning, Lord. Help us, Lord, to know what it is to not just hear what you're saying, but to do what you say, that we might be people who, Lord, live on a solid foundation, a rock-solid foundation, Lord. Help us to be rock-solid people in this pandemic age, Lord. Help us be people who call people to hope in Jesus Christ, Lord, who understand what it means, Lord, to be people, Lord, of faith, hope, and love in these times. We ask in Jesus' mighty name, amen.